Welcome to On the Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Hi, I'm Andy Simon. I'm your host and your guide. And as you know, my job is to help you get off the brink and soar again. And so I try to find people who will bring you new ideas, particularly ones that are very timely and relevant for the times that we are in. And so Laura Kriska came to me, and I'm absolutely thrilled to share her with you today because she wrote a new book called The Business of We. The subtitle is important to hear. The Proven Three-Step Process for Closing the Gap Between Us and Them in Your Workplace. The Business of We. And so we're going to talk about things that you and I, our audience, are very familiar with. Whether it's a boomer to millennial challenges, or it's outsider coming into an established organization, or mergers or acquisitions, my favorite topic. Because you bring in two cultures and they say, how come we're so different? Oh, man, it is really different. Humans are different. And if you're thinking about the times that we're in and the, the various challenges we've been going through, it's a time to begin to go from I to we. And as you know, I love Judith Glazer's stuff on the power of we, conversational intelligence. When we talk about we, all kinds of good things juicy up in our brain that makes us love each other. We say I, we fight, we flee. And so today we're going to talk about wonderful things that you can really learn how to do. So Laura, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me as a guest today. Good. Let me tell the uh, listeners a little bit about you, and then I'll let you talk about your own journey. You do better about it than I do. So Laura Kriska is an internationally recognized expert and a leading consultant on cross-cultural relations. So you can understand why we're going to have so much fun today. She has more than 30 years of experience bridging gaps in diverse workplaces. She's worked with Fortune 500 companies on four continents, and she'll tell you about them because her stories are interesting. She's helped thousands of business leaders and professionals build trust across us versus them differences based on nationality, ethnicity, race, religion, age, or any factor of identity. And we all create them. You know, the power of we is amazing. But I find it's interesting. She'll tell you more about her own growing up years. But she was born in Tokyo to missionary parents, but she grew up here in the U.S. in a white suburban community in Ohio, surrounded by people who looked like her, sounded like her, and prayed like her. And thanks to her parents' adventurous spirit, she grew up with a fascination with different cultures. So we're going to talk a lot about who she is, where she's come from, and why she's considered an authority on inclusion and cultural integration. And in today's world, it is a topic very timely. So, Laura, thank you. Mm. Thank you. It was so nice to hear that lovely introduction. <laughs> People have said that. It's you. It's so interesting. All of a sudden you hear yourself and you go, who is that? Mm-hmm. And is that really me? So who is me? Mm-hmm. What is your journey? Mm-hmm. Because Laura, you have two books. They're both very fine books. But you know, th- this is a time where the business of we is extremely valuable and important. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. my listeners, what I say to you is listen carefully because I don't care who you are. I mean, I have clients with the boomers are, are disagreeing with the millennials. The millennials can't get along with the Zs. I don't know who the alphas are going to come along afterwards, but there's so much challenge because we're different. Mm-hmm. And rather than embracing mm-hmm. it, we don't quite like it. So let's talk yeah. about Laura. Who are you? What's your journey like? And then we'll talk about the business of we. Well, I am someone who helps people build lasting connection, lasting trust across any us versus them dynamic. And I do it using resources people already have. I I help organizations do this without spending money. 
And the way I do that is to ask people, number one, are you willing to be genuine about wanting to bridge a gap? And two, can you honestly look at your own life? If you have those two factors, I believe you can bridge any gap. Um, And so one of the most important tools that I have used over the years is uh, just the examination, self-reflection, which I know you care a lot about, and this is something important in your work. Um, And so if we're thinking about, you know, how we uh, see, feel, and think uh, about ourselves, it's so important to look inward uh, to see what type of choices we've made. So one of the big gaps right now in our country is race. It's evident in every aspect of our culture, certainly in business. It's more obvious and critical and urgent than it ever has been in my lifetime. And so learning to look at oneself, especially if you are somebody who identifies with what I call the home team, There is a home team in every organization. I'm sure you have seen many home teams, and this is particularly critical when there's mergers and acquisitions. Then there are two home teams, and then they have to figure out, you know, what's our home team. But the home team has an advantage. And in the in corporate America, you know, it's I think it's pretty fair to say that the home team is mostly middle-aged, white, and male. Now, I always like to say, uh, I'm not against middle-aged white men. I have married one, and I have created two more white men for the planet. Um, but So it's not necessarily bad, but it's, it's not a good idea if you're not recognizing that you're on the home team. If you're a, a middle-aged white man and you don't see that being on that home team, it just by the way you present to the world, you know, if you see that, it's really important. However... It's more than that. It's uh, looking within yourself. I, I like to use this analogy, Andy. Um, when the Civil, uh, what, sorry, when the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed in 1991, you know, the law was passed. Organizations got on board. Of course, they needed to. There were penalties for failure to comply. Um, but people and organizations spent huge amounts of time, resources, money on building an infrastructure to support people with disabilities. And we see evidence of this. If if you see a ramp uh, into a building, if you see closed captioning, you know, these are the consequences that have resulted from this important legislation. But when we think about the civil rights legislation over 50 years ago, it's very difficult to see the infrastructure because the really important infrastructure is inside ourselves. And it's impossible to see whether a person, no matter what their identity, it's impossible to see whether they have done the work to build an internal infrastructure that will support all the values that the civil rights legislation was meant to support. You can have, you know, um, lists of, you know, representation and percentages, but this is one of the reasons why we've had negligible progress, even 50 years later, is that you can't really force people um, to integrate in the way that we really need. And what we really need is for all people, but especially those who identify with the home team, as I do, I'm a middle-aged white woman, 
that people like me have to look inward. So I've developed a tool and it's a 10 question us versus them self assessment. Mm -hmm. It is 10 simple questions, 10 simple yes or no questions. And this tool was developed to be applied to any us versus them gap. So the person taking the self-assessment gets to choose whether what group they're going to measure themselves. And it could be a group or uh, as large as a country, an entire different country, or it could be applied to one single other person. And answering these questions honestly, 10 questions, it would take less than five minutes to answer these questions. Answering these questions honestly will give a person an immediate measurement uh, of how much they have integrated with this other cultural group. Now, I want to also be clear, this is not the only way to measure your level of integration. It is just a way that is quick, it provides immediate feedback, and it's a tool then that can be used um, to make progress because any no answers then become a potential action item for a person. To start. Yep, about the the foundation for why people who look or feel or sound different um, challenge that home team. Because there's, I want to ground your, you have a great process. And I don't want people to think that this is simple or easy because there are some fundamental challenges with difference. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it isn't, it's a very ancient part of being human. Mm. Whether the Neanderthals were our predators and we survived by forming cultures, but somehow we made that quantum leap in our brain and we created unions and unity. Um, And we created, someone said yesterday, don't use the word tribe. I said, we created clans, tribes, families, but us, the we, and they. And Anthro 101 and a half probably taught me that if I don't, if I, I define myself in opposition to others, so it's me against my brother, me and my brother against our family, our family against all those other families. And we come together to build comfortable, familiar places to be safe. And we're looking for that safety. And part of the problem is who do I tell my story to? Who do I eat lunch with? Who makes me feel good? Who do I not have to think about? Because the brain hates it goes, loves the habits, it wants the familiar, it hates the unfamiliar, and it has a great story in there where you are always the hero. Mm-hmm. So that other, the, uh, the, the, the barbarians on the gate or everyone else, and you're not building that great wall, but it has some of the same symbolism in it. So let's talk. You've got a wonderful self-assessment. And then how do we take that into this wonderful world of humans where Mm, uh, embracing the differences becomes the way we do things, not the way we don't do things. Your thoughts, ma'am? I think it starts with the leaders. It starts with leader, corporate leaders, uh, principals of schools, teachers, parents. So if parents in their own homes are modeling this type of um, inclusion of others, then children will learn this. They'll learn that because somebody looks different doesn't mean I necessarily have to be afraid of them. I mean, this gets to that primal fear you were talking about, um, intergroup anxiety. 
And the uh, kind of human response to feel uh, anxious, to have your heart rate go up, to to sweat and feel like, oh, you know, do I belong? Right. This is such an important question. Do I belong? And those so that noticing and recognizing that people want to belong and we have, unfortunately, I see this kind of outdated notion that if somebody doesn't look like me or sound like me or pray like me, then they are other, just yes. without question. And in this idea has caused so much heartache, so much pain, and it is... I, ridiculous in my mind that we still operate in this principle in the 21st century when we are such a diverse and interconnected global economy and just globe. So when you work with a company and you've worked with so many and you, let's assume, I'm assuming you're using the tool now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talk about the process that flows from there because you are really trying to change how they see things, feel things, believe things to be true Um, And how they listen and how Mm -hmm. they look at body language and even in a Zoom call. Uh But but it's a very important time to begin to build those bridges. So how do you approach this? Often it is the simple process of gathering people, even virtually, and talking about how important inclusion is. uh, And then challenging people, giving them the opportunity to make a commitment to take action. It has been my experience, Andy, that most professionals, over 90% of professionals, eagerly participate, eagerly will say, I will do XYZ because they are global business people. They understand that it's a good thing to do. It's mostly their discomfort with possibly doing something wrong. And so if the organization, or in the case when I'm invited in, this outsider, I provide the opportunity and the nudge. You know, sometimes I think, why is my message in my book even necessary? It it seems so simple. Really, I'm not brilliant. I've just observed things. But I've come to understand that basically I would describe myself as a glorified cheerleader, where I'm just saying, don't you want to work together? You know, would you rather not waste your time and effort on these divides, waste your time on HR complaints and unnecessary legal costs and investigating he said, she said, wouldn't you rather use the talents, skills, and creativity toward innovation, new products, meeting customer needs? Doesn't that sound like, a, and everybody's like, yes, yes, let's do that. So it's it's not that difficult. And I think especially, and you may find this as well in your role, as an outsider, I can come in and say things that can be heard in a way that as an insider, it might not be heard. Well, but that is exactly the case. The reason consultants like us, you and I, have a role to play is that we're the thorn in the side we can ask silly questions um, we can play that role of um, I'm just a consultant uh, but this is what I see I work with a large health system very prestigious one and we're making acquisitions of hospitals and we were called in to do a culture assessment we use the OCAI and they had heard about it and they really wanted to understand their culture and the culture of those they were acquiring so that they could bring the new guys in and make them part of the existing culture. 
the home team. The only problem was that when you did an analysis using a tool like yours, different but similar, the home guys really didn't have a good culture. And the guys who they were acquiring thought very well of their culture. And so this was going to be an interesting transformation of folks who really were doing a good job, but now we're being brought in for whatever reason. The consolidations in healthcare have been going on for quite some time. And the folks here were going through their own transformation with a new CEO and a new system and a new set of values and beliefs and the way we're going to do things. And that family model they had was being more into a market-driven one. It was very interesting. And so change is going on all over the place, but more often than not, um, people don't really know what they are. They are themselves. What is my culture? Mm-hmm. Um, mine must be good, even though I don't mm-hmm. know quite what it is. And theirs must be not because we're acquiring them. It, the stories are fascinating, but we're always the hero in our story. Mm-hmm. And they're always not. And so you got a hard road to hoe, ma'am. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you do that when well, you're with those kind of groups? It's, it's not that different than yours, but we work on story and storytelling. Mm. And we ask them because you live your story, mm-hmm. begin to talk about what is your story today. And, and then it's hard to get agreement. You'd be amazed. I mean, I worked with a client not long ago, and of the 15 people we were working with, they had 15 different stories. And they had each made up their own. And, and you know, the period that we were in being remote didn't help. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, organizations think they have a common shared you know, culture or story. And when they begin to dig into it, they realize that if you don't tell it often, people make their own up. Mm-hmm. And that human mm-hmm. mind is wonderfully creative. And mm-hmm. then we work on what would they like it to be. Yeah. And so if they can come together and write a story and mm. tell it and begin to articulate a visualization, mm. not a vision, but an actual visualization, tell me a new mm-hmm. story. We're writing mm-hmm. a new movie mm. about a very well integrated, diverse, inclusive place. What would that feel like? Give me the script. And then when we start to get closer, you can almost see them wanting to act it out like it was a play. Mm-hmm. And I tell them life is just a play. It's a theatrical performance. Mm-hmm. The roles you played yesterday, you can't play tomorrow because we have to have a, a different group because it brings great new ideas in. And it's as tense for men and women trying to get to better relations as it is for people of color, for people of different ethnicities. Um, we did a, a workshop for our talk for our, for our book. And one of the women was an African-American attorney, really, you know, graduated from Dartmouth, cum laude, summa cum laude, and had a law degree. She said, I sat with the lawyers in the firm I was in, and they all were talking about who they were going to recruit based upon their network. And I said to them, I don't have that network. She said, my great-grandmother was a cotton picker. <laughs> you have no idea what my network is like. Mm-hmm. And, and so the differences are not simple, but deep and profound. So that's my pros. What's yours? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's keeping the pressure on. I don't want to use pressure too strongly, but, you know, yes, the encouragement mm-hmm. and support and getting management kind of buy-in. Yes. Uh, but it, what I have found, and I'm interested to hear what you've experienced, that when people start to do their own work, and this is why I say that I, I do this without a lot of, you know, cost involved, you know, the, if you have this genuine wish and you're willing to look at yourself, then it's simply a process of starting to take actions on your own, individual actions. Um, and that, 
and, and I talk about three types of actions. There's safe actions, challenging actions, and radical actions. And safe ones are perfect for people to be doing now while we're still working from home because they're actions that you do in private. They don't require any risk or vulnerability. Often they're free. It's things like listening to podcasts, reading a book, you know, learning. And challenging actions require face-to-face interaction. And those are necessary. We're not going to have the change we need if people are just quietly researching by themselves. Um, but then radical actions are, you know, things where you really plunge in so that you're the minority in the particular group. Um, but what I have found is that when people start interacting and taking action, the benefits uh, inspire them. Yes. And they see others getting good results. Uh, the other day I was talking to a group and some, um, there's a question from the audience and somebody asked about diversity fatigue. <laughs> You've heard this phrase. Yes. And I, I wasn't prepared for the question, but I got so emotional because I was just incensed. Diversity fatigue, what are you talking about? Like, if you're not, if, if you're not engaged in the work, if you're just superficially checking off boxes, yeah, you're going to get tired of that. But if you engage in the work of examining your own, <clears throat> your own choices, if you've noticed for, through the assessment, you have a very homo start taking action to change that, the rewards are in the trusting relationships that you will build with people who are outside your familiar group. And those rewards are rich and and life enriching. So the idea of diversity fatigue, like almost brought me to tears because I was just like, what? (laughs) I, I gave a talk to 300 folks about a month ago and they asked the change fatigue question. Mm. And I said, so what are you going to do? Stop change or stop responding to change? Or um, I don't know, it sounds like there's a fire in your house and you're going to say, I'm tired of fires, so I'm not going to put it out. Well, I mean, think through what does that change fatigue tell you about somebody who's going to go back to what? Which, which reality of yesterday? Um, because that's gone. Mm-hmm. And, and they're so tired of this pandemic and change fatigue. I said, okay, you can do whatever you would like. But they're telling you something different than, um, than there's a solution to change fatigue. Quite frankly, just buck up and let's get, if you turn lemons into lemonade mm-hmm. and you think of it as opportunity land, you never mm-hmm. want to stop. Mm-hmm. I think exactly. about those who say they are diversity fatigue. A, a, a diversity fatigue is an interesting concept. Um, I want to go back to where it's just me and those who I look like and feel like, mm-hmm. please stop asking me to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's a, a tremendous talent shortage um, from business. I'll be just tactical and practical. Um, the talent that's coming out of our, our educational system today um, is heavily diverse. It's terrific. 60% of the college graduates are women. Um, you know, there are, uh, 400,000 women attorneys now, but only 5% of them are uh, people of color, 4% are Hispanic, and Asians are 3%. And, and maybe you want to keep the house closed, but I'll tell you, they're breaking down the walls for good reason. Um, and they are, they are atrophying. They're leaving too fast because you're not welcoming, mm-hmm. and you're losing all your talent. Mm-hmm. In the name that the guys have the talent, well, maybe, maybe not, because 40% of the business today is owned by women. And there are a lot of those women who are women of color and they mm-hmm. want to do business with other women of color mm-hmm. They all support each other. And you're going to get sort of finding yourself cut out of the growth that's going to come. Um, so it's, it's a time 
for you to take stock. The other piece, and you can tell me how you're addressing it, is that um, they say the words, they give the courses, but they don't act on it. So I talk about see, believe, act. Mm. Okay, you can see the benefits. You can believe in them, but if you don't do anything, you know, then it's it's a mysterious thing that, well, we tried that and it didn't mm. work. And yeah. really, did you work it? Did you really do something? Mm-hmm. And it's multiple sides. So how do you get them to actually take action? And I know that nudge is a great word, but... Yeah. One of the simple strategies I use is making people asking, asking people to write down their commitment mm-hmm. um, and having an accountability partner, you know, somebody in the organization and then uh, setting a date for checking in. And that often is what we need. And, and I, I've borrowed these techniques from uh, weight loss programs. You know, all, there are all kinds of great resources that show how to motivate humans to change. Because as you and I both know, it's not easy. And now a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us. And we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled, or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey, Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled, and a little anthropology helped them see things through a fresh lens reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls and become the best that they could be. They heard things like women aren't lawyers and women can't lead and women aren't in geosciences. And they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back, and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there, or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at andysimon.com, and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books, and you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves, very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now, back to our podcast. I used to say before this pandemic period, if you want to change, have a crisis or create one and never waste a crisis. And Mm -hmm. so it's not, um, you know, with the George Floyd, with the Me Too, with all of the catalysts for the last decade that are pushing us into a new world. um, It's time for us to rethink this. And all of a sudden I'm watching the NASDAQ insist that companies have a certain percentage of women, women of color on their boards. You're going to find the, the C-suites beginning to bring in women in P&L roles, not in HR alone. Um, there, there's If the pipeline has to get full, um, mm-hmm. and I came out of a banking background, and, mm-hmm. and all the banks are run by men, and they keep complaining there aren't any women to come move up into those ranks. Well, you're not, you're not cultivating them. You have to sponsor them. 
And maybe they should talk to Janet Yellen. I bet she knows some people. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, Jane Fraser moved into Citibank. And, um, and, and if you look at her career, she's been brought in everywhere it's broken. Mm. She's a turnaround person. And she mm-hmm. said, no, no, I'm not. I said, oh, yes, you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just take a look at every place you, they've put you and it's where it's broken. Mm-hmm. And in my book, I've had a number of the women who were put into higher ed when it was broken, mm-hmm. uh, into a firm when it was broken. They become the last resort. Mm-hmm. And, and consequently, if they fail, well, it was just a woman. Yeah. But, but nobody else could figure it out. So it's a very interesting time for all of the changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that it's an exciting time if you embrace it, uh, turn lemons into lemonade, mm-hmm. don't fear the foreigner. Um, mm-hmm. begin to include them and you'll find the talent is there for you to grow in, in, in tremendous ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, mm-hmm. um, the David Letterman story about going to India, um, we're about ready to wrap. You had a great story that opened your book. You want to talk about that story about sending him to India and, and teach him not to ask for a hamburger? Well, you know, even someone like David Letterman understood that going to a different country meant that there would be different cultural norms at play. And so I prepared some information um, for his team so that they'd be prepared. And that, that when you people travel internationally, they usually get it. They understand. But what they fail uh, to notice is that those same types of cultural norms are predictable and inevitable right here in the United States. Just as you were talking about at the beginning of the show, generational gaps. Yes. Um, and so if we're uh, not paying attention to them, if we see behavior that is very much the cultural norm for a very different generation, and we um, feel that those are characteristics of the person, and we view those as negative, yes. uh, not going to be good for business. We may be missing out on really good talent. We might fail to bridge uh, the relationship and build trust. Um, and it could have all consequences when, if we simply look at the difference um, as inevitable and predictable and learnable, right? We can learn another person's culture. Uh, you can easily do that using the many technology tools we have today. Yeah. You know, Laura, I, mean, I keep talking to you for a long time. I was in India on business and I have five clients oh. over there. Um, and you learn real fast how different the culture is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you do it on Zoom and it's six o'clock in the morning, your time and five or four in the afternoon, their time, um, you, you're both business people, um, but you're living different worlds with mm-hmm. different relationships with family um, it was very interesting. And, and for me, I, I, I loved it. But we're about ready to wrap up. Mm-hmm. Well, as you're mm-hmm. thinking about the three things that you might like our listeners to remember, because they often remember the ending better than the mm-hmm. beginning, one mm-hmm. or two or three would be terrific. Mm-hmm. You shared with me some great quotes. Your thoughts? I would say that cultural difference does not only apply to international differences. And so that's one of the main factors. And then being willing to take the us versus them self-assessment, which I will say is free. It's on my website at lauracriska.com. Anybody is welcome to use that. And I hope it becomes an often used tool for people in business and beyond because I want to inspire a rebuilding revolution, but I can't do it by myself. I need your... Well, and, and I also think that a rebuilding revolution... Uh, it's uh, the right thing for the right time. 
Uh, it's a movement, and it's a very exciting time for that kind of a movement. This has been just a pleasure. Laura, if they want to get your books, and I say books, where can they mm-hmm. get them? Most retailers uh, online and elsewhere. Of course, I like to support uh, uh, local bookstores um, in your neighborhoods, but it's widely available. Wonderful. And your website, if they'd like to? Mm-hmm. It's my name, Laura, uh, L-A-U-R-A. Crisca with a K, two Ks, K-R-I-S, like Spain, K-A. So laurachrisca.com has all of um, the information about my book and about my work. Laura, this has been a pleasure. I'm going to say goodbye to you and to our listeners. It's been such fun. Thanks, it's Andy. Wonderful. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to share we, um, because it's time for a we movement. And as you're listening, my listeners, think about your own organization, but also think about your neighborhood. And as you think about what's going on today, uh, who can you reach out to, share, say hi? Uh, You have no idea how small little touches can make people's day. And it's a great time to embrace our diversity and our differences and see ourselves as we, not I, um, because it will give you a place to grow from as opposed to someplace to shrink back to. When I've written a bunch of articles on the psychological depression of not belonging during this pandemic period and nobody's keeping you from belonging except you and there are all kinds of ways of reaching out and the same thing goes in business all kinds of ways of bridging the gaps it's a great time to try them and see what else you can do so it's been a pleasure Uh, i urge you all to get a hold of the business of we laura kriska's book and mine, Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's The reviews are great. And, and I have behind me um, a little candle that was made by Wax Buffalo with our logo on it. And they're sending boxes with the book and a candle and, uh, and a note to entrepreneurial women that um, several other women have decided should get a hug. All kinds of ways you can hug. So on that note, thank you for coming. Thank you for sending your emails. Info at andysimon.com is where you can get it. And remember, there's a free chapter for the books right there. Bye-bye now. Have a great day. Stay safe.